1: The Presidency is considered one of the most important jobs in the world, and as the saying goes, with great power comes great responsibility, but where's the line? How much power is too much power? In this episode we look at Presidents past and present to figure out, are they really above the law? Welcome to America, a history podcast. I'm Liam Heffernan, and every week we answer a different question to understand the people, the places, and the events that make the USA what it is today. To help me answer this question, who else but Dr Emma Long, Associate Professor of American History and Politics and Head of the Department of American Studies at the University of East Anglia. I can almost do that in one breath now. Uh, welcome back, Emma.
2: <laughs> Thanks, Liam. Good to see
1: you. Yeah, great to have you back on. Uh, so let's just kick off because obviously there's uh, it's quite quite a topical subject for us to be discussing at this point in 2023. Um, so let's just look at the big orange elephant in the room. What on earth is going on with Trump at the moment and what does this tell us about the presidency generally?
2: Uh, Like many things with Trump it's hard to know how much it tells us generally because he's such an unusual character in so many ways. I think we've talked about this before. I mean as we are recording this in what middle of October 2023 right Trump is on trial. Uh, It's a civil trial so there's no, no chance of jail or criminal penalties. Um, but it, it's a trial that claims, or where he's, he and his businesses and two of his sons are accused of inflating the uh, the wealth that they owned in terms of properties and and so on in order to, um, to borrow more from banks at better rates and, and so on. I mean, in a weird kind of way, it's the first one, but it's the least significant of the mm-hmm. ones that he's he's facing. You can break it down. Really, he's facing more, or almost a hundred criminal charges, right? If you add them all up, which is staggering <laughs> when you think about it. But they break down effectively into to four particular areas. Some I think are probably more significant than than others, and and could potentially be more impactful than others. I think the two really big ones, the charges about uh, surrounding the conversation he had with the leading official in Georgia about the 2020 election, where you hear the, the quote about finding 11,780 votes, I think it was, mm. um, you know, questions about was that interference with the election? Is it trying to, to interfere or undermine uh, the elected and appointed officials who are, were managing the election? That's potentially really serious and goes to the, the heart, really, of, of a sense of American democracy. The other one regarding the the 2020 election are the charges that come over the January 6th, 2021 Capitol riot. Mm -hmm. Um, And the the question about how far Trump is to blame for the violence that happened afterwards, how much that speech that he he gave on the the National Mall in Washington, D.C., can be considered an incitement to Mm -hmm. the actions that, that went on. Those who charged him with with that obviously think that they can make a a case for for incitement um obviously his defense has been you know i went and talked to people what they did afterwards is nothing to to do with with me Mm. but there there are some really quite significant charges around that there's the one where there's been a, something of a parallel with the Biden administration, which is the, um, the question about classified documents that were found outside the White House.
1: Yeah. So uh,
2: there was that those quite startling images of the FBI parked outside Trump's Mar-a-Lago home because he'd been refusing to cooperate with the Justice Department and handing over the documents and wouldn't admit that he'd got some of them. So they basically turned up and searched and took them.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the images of like all the the boxes stacked up yeah. in Mar-a-Lago I and mean, just like publicly accessible places um, that allegedly contain classified documents. You know, if, if true, that's that's shocking.
2: Yeah, and there's that famous photo right of the uh, them stacked up in the bathroom. Mm. You know, obviously not everything in those boxes was was classified or, or top secret. I think we're looking at somewhere, I think the figures are somewhere around about 100 documents, something like that. Mm. But clearly documents that shouldn't have been taken outside the, the White House by law to maintain sort of the accuracy of the, the record as well as security issues. So there's, there's that one. And then there's sort of the, the, the rolling case around the payment of money to Stormy Daniels, who um, claims that she had an affair with with Trump and the shenanigans around the payment of money to her and who paid and where the money came. And the, the charge there is, is not the payment of money to pay her to keep quiet, which is legal under American law. It's the, it's the question of whether that money can be classed as helping the presidential campaign that was going on in 2016 and if it is, that money legally had to be declared as part of campaign funds, and it wasn't. So it's it's not the payment of the money, it's it's how far it's considered part of the the campaign itself. So mm-hmm. all of those things, um, and they're all scheduled, well, three of the four are scheduled for trials next year. Trump is going to be very busy doing those and running for president at the same time. And the Georgia election one doesn't have a trial date yet Mm -hmm. Um, so these you know some of the charges are are things where there might be a fine some of them are charges where the maximum prison sentence is 10 to 20 years and he's got They're serious mm, things then they're really yeah they're really serious and I mean there's been a lot of discussion about you know if he was found guilty and if it was a custodial prison sentence how do you actually practically lock up a former president with all mm. the security issues that come with that. Um, and for some of the lesser charges, should we say, there's there's been speculation that because of that, if he was found guilty, we'd, we'd be looking probably at fines rather than anything else. But there are some big charges here, especially around the, the legitimacy of the 2020 election, um, that if Trump was found guilty on those charges by a jury. Um, it would be very hard, I think, to, to not impose some kind of custodial sentence. Otherwise, it might imply that just because he was a former president, just just because of the practical issues, that he wouldn't get the same kind of sentence that somebody else might get if they'd been found guilty of the, the same thing and that that goes against the whole american system which ultimately is based on the idea of rule of law right that it, it's a rule of law system where everybody from the president on down everybody is bound by the same laws of the system now we can talk about how far some people get hit harder than, than others by by the the legal system in the united states there's a whole series of podcasts in in that right (laughs) but at the same time there is this this principle and he's a very high profile example of that so if he's treated differently because of who he is then you know that that runs a, a risk of of undermining the the entire system
1: yeah and i i guess there's there's definitely a discussion there maybe in a future episode about how trump will use the court trials as a campaign platform um because knowing Trump, he absolutely will do that. But there are definite questions around, if, if we assume for the case of this discussion that he has done the things that he's been charged with, there's questions around whether or not he should have the autonomy to do those things. Should, should a president have a certain degree of immunity from the law that enables them to do their job in the best way possible?
2: Yeah. And I mean, the, the role of president's not easy, right? Um, you know, when you, you think about whether you like a person who's in the White House or not at any particular moment in time, they are the person, it's, the buck stops here, right? Mm-hmm. Ultimately, they are the one responsible for making all kinds of really important decisions, some of which I suspect we never know about because they're, they're things about national security that it's decided that we shouldn't know about um, unless we absolutely have to. So I, there has historically always been a sense that in some areas a, president's, a president needs leeway when he or she is doing their official duty right, in regards to the job. But in ultimately what we're talking about in regards to all of these cases perhaps with the the exception of the one of the the documents you know the the classified documents found outside of the the white house all these others are not strictly sort of the presidential role right these are trump's speech at the white house yes he was president but it wasn't specifically a presidential speech Mm -hmm. you know he wasn't acting as head of state he wasn't acting as head of government he was there sort of as a an individual there to to say you know that that he thought that you know to support the the people who were there at the the rally and and whatever else happened so I think you have to divide things up between things that people do Within the the confines of the the role that they they have, um, and things that they're doing tangentially to that. Now I, I'm not saying that line's easy to draw or that I would want to be the person who's drawing it, but it, there is a difference between those those things. And the law in the in the US and I think here as well in Parliament recognises that. So for example, um, if a member of Congress or a senator says something as part of their official role on the floor of the, the House or the, in the, the Senate, um, there are fewer consequences, should they say something completely outrageous or outlandish, if they're doing it in their formal role as part of that role than if they're doing it as a private citizen outside of, of that. So there, there is a recognition of those differences, and I think that's important. We
0: took it all.
1: As we're we're learning at the moment from the fallout of the the McCarthy ousting, you're never immune from the the backlash of your own party, right?
2: Uh, no, exactly, and in fact, sometimes your own party can be you can be just as problematic, <laughs> um, particularly with American parties where they're so big and so broad that there are factions within them. The Democrats have this too. It's just that they've been a lot quieter. In in recent years, I mean, Biden and even Obama, to some extent, ran into trouble with sort of the left wing of the Democratic Party, who felt who who at times have felt like they have not pushed far enough with with policy. So, yeah, and we're seeing, yes, the battle over Speaker again, as we record this. I mean, McCarthy had a battle to get the the Speaker role back in January this year as it was. So it's not entirely surprising there's been that internal revolt, I suppose. Um, But, yeah, just because we're seeing it on the Republican side at the moment doesn't mean that it doesn't exist on the other side as well.
1: Of course, yeah. And by the time this podcast goes out, McCarthy may even be back a speaker. <laughs> um, who knows? But anyway, um, I think one, one issue where there are very clear, very hard lines drawn between both parties is impeachment. And that tends to be an issue that will always divide. And in, in, in almost all cases, uh, Republicans will support Republicans, Democrats will support Democrats. But it still happens to Trump. There's obviously impeachment has been a, a buzzword the last couple of years. So what what exactly is that legal process, and, and why does and why does nothing ever seem to happen at the end of it?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean things do happen at the end of it. It's just that when we've seen impeachment of presidents, mm. it's that the politics have come into to play. I think is is important. So. Impeachment is when a legislature or other public body that's constituted with the power for that holds or finds that there is sufficient evidence to hold another public official to account for misconduct. So it's it's important to remember that impeachment isn't doesn't necessarily involve criminal behavior, but it can, depending on the nature of, of what that official misconduct is defined to, to be in a particular set of, of circumstances hmm. yes it, it's come to be uh, certainly with even with Clinton when he was impeached in the 1990s um, we saw that politics came to play a role in that too um, although it was far more divided over the Trump impeachments and the attempts to, or the hearings that we've we've recently seen by Republicans in the, the House in, on impeachment for, for Biden. Mm-hmm. But I think there's also, it's worth remembering, there, there are two stages to impeachment. So you can be impeached. That's the first stage. That doesn't necessarily mean you're guilty. It's kind of like the equivalent of an indictment or being charged um in the US it happens in the, the House of Representatives and it's a judgment that there is sufficient evidence based on whatever investigation has, has gone on that there yeah, there's there's sufficient evidence to suggest that the person, the official, can be charged with whatever misconduct the articles of impeachment try. So that's the first stage. And then the second stage is the trial. So we saw that. With, we saw it with Clinton. We saw it with with Trump. Recently, that happens in the Senate. Um, it's presided over by the Chief Justice of the U.S. Supreme Court, um, and that that is in many ways similar, in some ways different to a, a trial that we're perhaps more familiar with, where evidence is presented from from both sides, and the Senate is the jury hmm. in in that case. Um, when in Clinton's impeachment in the 90s, once the evidence had been set out, it became really clear that the reason that Republicans were following it up were were political ones. They didn't like Clinton as a, a Democrat, that this wasn't official misconduct. You couldn't talk for a long time about Clinton's personal behavior, but it was personal rather than... To do with his his role. And that sort of, when you followed the, the coverage of that, that became really clear and there were some Republicans who voted to find him not guilty in part as a result of, of that. Mm-hmm. What we saw with both Trump impeachments is uh, what we've talked about before in other episodes and, and what's really clear in American politics at the moment, which is that partisanship just played a played such a role in it, partly driven by Trump himself and his closest allies, who right from the start made the case publicly that, that this was a political agenda, right? That, it, that he hadn't actually done anything wrong that this was just democrats trying to get him out of office now in all fairness there had been some democrats who had said we want to impeach him to get him out of office so they kind of made for a rod for their own back at that point i don't think it's the only reason that they they pursued it maybe not even the the main one but once that idea was out there you know trump and his allies just made hay with with that to to bring together their support his supporters uh, mm. and we saw that in both and the, the second one, the second Im- impeachment after, happened after the election. And there were a lot of quite legitimate questions, I think, there about whether you can actually impeach somebody who isn't now president because they lost the election. Um, but again, we, yeah, we saw politics play, play a role. So it's still an important power. And actually, if you look at impeachment, over American history. It's not happened a lot, but it's not just presidents who are subject to it. It's any federal government official. So it's been used most often, actually, against federal judges. And uh, eight federal judges have been removed from office through impeachment. So they've been found guilty
1: mm. in
2: that trial. Four others were, were found not guilty. So it's, it's not that impeachment always ends in failure it's just that when you're using it on for the president of the united states that comes with that comes freighted right with a whole load of of issues um around the person um and the the role um and the way americans like to think about the the person who holds that role at any particular moment in time
1: yeah and you know it doesn't feel like we've ever really come close to seeing a president removed from office except of course Nixon uh, and I think we can we can argue whether or not that he would have been removed from office. I think um, there certainly seems to be <laughs> um, uh, a, a lot of confidence that he, he would have been, but of course he resigned before that happened. It just it, it does bring into question just how the, how effective the impeachment process is is and then when we start to see the attempts to impeach Biden as well it's is it just becoming a political tool and is the whole process of impeachment against the president just getting a little bit diminished now
2: there's a risk there's a, a real risk of, of that I mean when I first started studying U.S. politics it was before Clinton was impeached we like like Impeachment, something that's never, you know, hasn't been used since the nineteenth century uh, against, a, you know, an official. So things have changed in the last twenty-five years or, or so, and you know, the the question of where blame lies is is a complicated one um, from from that. But we are seeing a kind of tit for tat response here. So particularly with. With Trump, I mean the the impeachments of the the Biden impeachments, the the attempt, the the hearings. Um, I think there have been two previous sets of articles of impeachment as well since this Congress came into to effect. This is Republicans trying to get their own back mm. um, to to make a point, so saying we think what you we think what you did is political. So now we've got control of the the House. We're going to do the same thing.
0: Yeah.
2: Are there questions about Hunter Biden, which seems to Biden's son, which seems to be where the focus of things is at the moment, It seems like there probably are, yes, but there's also a question about the separation between Biden's son and Biden himself mm. again the the details of of this are, are sort of hazy, but yeah the, the, I think what we're seeing in the last what five, six years, maybe. Is, is risking undermining impeachment as a, a power yeah. that it's coming to be used as a political tool.
1: There's been many cases over the years, even within our lifetimes, where the presidents have been somewhat flexible with their interpretation of, of the law and what they are and aren't allowed to do. Why, why don't there ever, ever seem to be repercussions? Because impeachment is one thing, but they could still be held accountable for those actions. Why aren't they?
2: Oh, there's a, a big question. I suppose some of it comes down to what we are talking about before, right? about the fact that the job of a president is difficult and they have difficult decisions to make, often in situations that require very quick responses, or if not quick responses, then responses where there isn't an obvious answer. I think, and I don't mean this as a way to to justify decisions made by presidents, but I do think that as a historian, part of my training is to think about it in the context rather than necessarily with hindsight. Uh, You know, sometimes presidents have to make decisions based on partial information. Sometimes they have to make them really quickly because it's an emergency situation. And sometimes I think second guessing that afterwards, is right as a learning exercise, but not necessarily right as a punitive one, if that makes any sense. Mm. Um, But there there are people who would disagree with me. And of course, there are times where questionable behavior is not, doesn't fall into that context. So uh, you mentioned Nixon, for example, he's a really good example of, of this, you know, the Watergate, Affair, the bugging of democratic national headquarters to spy on the, uh, their opponents in the election, the uh, the ransacking of uh, Daniel Ellsberg's psychiatrist's office to try and turn up dirt on on him because of the the leak of the the Pentagon Papers. Those were not emergency decisions on behalf of the nation, right? That was self interest <laughs> at best. Um, And those were calculated decisions that took place repeatedly over a a period of of time. So, you know, there's a a good example of there there not being repercussions. And, you know, Nixon resigned, so we never, we won't know, because impeachment obviously can only happen to a a sitting official. Mm -hmm. Should there have have been criminal charges? I think a lot of people feel like there there absolutely should have been. There weren't, because um, President Gerald Ford, who had been Nixon's vice president. Notably, the only president never elected to either office because he he became vice president when Nixon's first vice president uh, resigned over a scandal. Um, So Ford was appointed. And then, of course, Nixon resigned. So Ford became president. Uh, one of his very early action was actions even as the full scope of Watergate was being still being uncovered through trials and, and through the press, was to pardon Nixon for any crimes that he may have committed. And that was hugely controversial. In fact, many people think that Ford lost the 76 election in part because of backlash over that decision but he was quite open both then and subsequently about his reasons for for doing it you know his his argument was if he didn't pardon nixon and he had like the, he, there were trials and investigations and so on a bit like we've been seeing with trump actually hmm. although the circumstances are slightly different but if that had had continued watergate up to that point had been so damaging to the nation, that it would continue to damage the nation in unforeseen ways. So his his understanding of it was to draw a line, was to, to pardon Nixon, draw a line under it, and try and get the country to to move on. Um, again, there are plenty of of chances to to second guess that decision, but those were his reasons for for doing it.
1: But does that not undermine the whole democratic process and it sets a dangerous precedent that presidents won't be held accountable for their actions that they can get away with these things you know it it, it just I, I there's i understand the logic behind not wanting to have everything linger but at the end of the day if he's acted illegally should he not be punished in the same way that anyone else doing that should be
2: yeah goes back to the point we were making before, right about the you know does somebody get away with it just because they happen to hold the highest office in the the land or you know maybe you know some of the other high offices if we were talking about situations regarding other other officials hmm. um yeah i d- I don't know that there's a an easy answer to the to that particular question, and yes you're you're absolutely right that if you point to ford's precedent. You know, even if Trump were to be found guilty on some of these charges, a sympathetic president could pardon him. For for that, of course, he, he has made suggestions that if he's found guilty and he wins the election anyway, he could pardon himself. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know that legal scholars have looked into that one too deeply, but um, but I suppose it's, it's technically uh, technically possible.
1: It won't happen. Yeah, Trying will it? it probably
2: not. Know. No, no. <laughs> um, based on uh, based on past experience.
1: Yeah, I I think there's also a question here of you know we can argue till the cows come home about whether or not presidents should be punished the same as anyone else by the law. But I think there's another element here that regardless of, of how accountable they're held legally, they're still held accountable in the eyes of the public. And I think that the legacy and the the reputation that, that succeeds their presidency is still a really important thing. And I guess some people might argue that that's that's the real kind of judgment of their of their term in office uh, regardless of 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 what's done sort of legally against them
2: yeah and I guess it's something that doesn't affect ordinary people right Mm. if they've committed a a crime or if they're charged with committed a crime they're not necessarily thinking about their their wider legacy in a Mm. way that we would expect a a president to to be doing so yes is it the same no clearly it's not does it you know Nixon's reputation for all the good things he did as president. And I'm not a huge fan of, of Nixon, but there, he had some really significant achievements as, as president that are overshadowed by um, the discussion of, of Watergate and, you know, probably rightly given the scale of, of that. And Clinton, to some extent, I, I guess, um, that you know the the impeachment and and the discussion over you know that is is part of his story it's not dominated in the way that it did with Nixon I guess partly because it didn't end Clinton's presidency mm-hmm. it didn't end his political career um, but you do you know we saw it we saw it come back a little bit when Hillary Clinton was running for president even though arguably it was nothing to do with her you um, you know we so those things are there and they, they do come out. And you know, we, we see it with um, George W. Bush. So there was a recent poll by the the Pew Research Center that asked people to rank their top presidents of the last 40 years. And for Democrats, they um, they listed Obama quite clearly first. Mm. For Republicans, it was um, Reagan and Trump. Um, which perhaps is is unsurprising in many ways. Uh, but one of the really interesting things was that George W. Bush, his approval ratings for a large part of his presidency, particularly through the aftermath of the 9-11, 2001 terrorist attacks, and even through the early years of the invasion of um, Iraq and Afghanistan. Despite the fact that that was controversial internationally and, and nationally, through those early years, the public got behind a wartime president. His public opinion polls were surprisingly high. And yet in this poll, he ranked something, I think he got like 7% of the the vote in this poll. And I think some of that is the longer term legacy of the the war in Iraq and the yeah. questions about the behavior of the United States and American troops um, and the legality of some of that, uh, the debates about weapons of mass destruction and, and so on. So there, there is a longer legacy of these questions, especially if people feel like those questions haven't been resolved mm. properly. Um, so yeah, you know, somebody runs for presidential office to do the job certainly but certainly also with one eye on their their legacy and if their legacy is tarnished by these kinds of of things then that's you know a hit to one of the the things that they were looking for
1: yeah yeah and uh, just to bring a close to this episode because it's been a bit of a heavy chat uh if hypothetically um, and I know it's completely impossible if you were president of the US.
2: Oh, no, I, I, I don't know why anyone would want the job, to be perfectly honest.
1: <laughs> well, no, it's a hard pass for me. Um, <laughs> but if if you ended up somehow as president, uh, what law would you be most likely to break and why? <laughs>
2: oh, no, I was brought up to, no, not no, <laughs> to abide by the, the laws um, and unless... Uh, they were unjust laws, thinking about someone like Martin Luther King's argument that the only just thing to do about an unjust law is to, to break it. Um, I, yeah, I don't know. I, I, think to, I, I just think that, to go back to an earlier point, if I was going to be in that position, it would probably be because I'd made a decision in a really high-pressured situation um, and maybe made the wrong one. Hmm. But um, which is edging around your question, which is to say, I, <laughs> I, the idea of breaking the, the law makes me feel really uncomfortable, even hypothetically.
1: This episode of America, a history podcast, was produced, edited, and hosted by me, Liam Heffernan. A special thanks to my guest this week, Dr Emma Long, as always, and if you like what you heard in the podcast, do check out some of the additional resources that we've popped in the show notes. And as always, a lot of work goes into the making of this podcast, so if you can leave us a review and a rating, or tell your friends, or share it wherever, that'd be awesome. And if you want to get in touch with the show, connect with us on X, formerly Twitter, if you still use that. Over at American Studies or contact me directly at This Is The Heff. Alternatively, you can find me on LinkedIn at Liam Heffernan or find Podcasts by Liam as well. Or just drop me an email hello at podcastsbyliam.com.
0: Hello, I'm Violet Manners and welcome to Hidden Heritage, the podcast that brings you inside Great Britain's favourite destinations. From the same team that brought you the number one history podcast, Duchess, Hidden Heritage will uncover the fascinating stories behind the UK's brightest shining hidden gems. You'll hear from top experts in British heritage, including custodians, historians, artisans, experts, and even the craftsmen and restorers who've worked on some of the most celebrated historic buildings. We will share the untold and unique stories that celebrate UK heritage, from landmarks to architecture, artifacts to myths and legends. Hidden Heritage will highlight a side to British history you have never seen before. I'm your host, Violet Manners, and founder of Heritage X, and I invite you all to join us on this exciting journey. This is Hidden Heritage. You can find Hidden Heritage wherever you listen to your podcasts.